Um, lately, we've been talking about the basics of self-brain surgery, to learn how to think about our thinking, and the ideas around that um, are kind of forming the structure of a new book. Now, this isn't some just sort of self-help or motivational speaker kind of thing, because the vast majority of your life, the vast majority of my life, the vast majority of the decisions that we make, the relationships that we have, the things we accomplish or strive for, come out of how we think. Our attitudes, our thought patterns, everything about how we handle stress, unexpected challenges, and the hard parts of life is related to and determined by our thinking. So learning how to think better is actually a perfect way to learn how to live better. But the problem is most of us spend our lives reacting to our thinking because we never think about our thinking. And the reality is our baseline thoughts are not very reliable most of the time. Why? That answer is rooted in the science of how our nervous systems are wired. The bad news is your nervous system has a set of responses to challenges, threats, and stresses, and that set of responses is not very specific. In other words, when you are being chased by a tiger, you have a set of feelings in your body, fear, and a whole bunch of things that are happening chemically in your body when you're actually under in danger and that tiger's chasing you down the street. You have the same basic set of feelings, though, when you hear a sound in the next room at night and you wonder if somebody's breaking into your house. The same set of emotional responses are triggered automatically because your nervous system is really sensitive to threats and perceived threats, but it's not very specific in how we, in how we react to those threats or perceived threats. Those triggered responses aren't very helpful when they make us reflexively freak out in our lives. But the good news is, Your brain can be trained to separate the response from the stimulus, but it requires brain surgery. And that's why I'm always saying you can't change your life until you change your mind. Now, when I say brain surgery, of course, I don't mean me cutting into your head. I'm I'm saying you can learn how to change the way that your brain functions and filter some of those automatic things through a better way of responding if you learn how to do self-brain surgery. So like I said, you can't change your life until you change your mind. In other words, if you keep thinking the same old thoughts, if you never change how you look at things or the mental framework from which you approach the world, then you're going to keep experiencing the same patterns and outcomes. And the part of the nervous system that connects two nerves or nerves and muscles or other organs is called a synapse. In your brain, there are about 100 trillion, trillion with a T, of synapses. And when those synapses don't work right, you don't work right. When your synapses aren't working well, your life doesn't work well. And today we're going to look at two different diseases that affect the synapses between your nerves and your muscles. And I want to show you a little bit of how the nervous system works. It's amazing how we're designed. It's so intricate and so beautiful. I want to show you a little bit of it so that we can see how important it is to make sure we have healthy synapses in our brain to the extent that we can control them. Hey, if you want to become healthier, feel better, and be happier. You've got to think about your thinking. But sometimes life creates unhealthy connections, I call them sick synapses, that trigger thought patterns and behaviors in us that we're not even aware of. I'm always saying that you can't change your life until you change your mind. And learning how to sever those sick synapses, to break down those bad connections that life has created and make better ones is a key 
to getting that done, negative or traumatic experiences, labels that we've accepted from others, and hurtful words from our past can form sick synapses in our brains, bad connections in our noggins. And these can trigger painful memories and emotions that can anchor us in our lives and keep us stuck. And if we want to become healthier, feel better, and be happier, as I said, we've got to learn to sever those sick synapses. Remember our verse for this that we've been talking about lately is Proverbs seventeen twenty seven through 28 in the Passion Translation. Can you bridle your tongue when your heart is under pressure? That is how you show that you're wise. An understanding heart keeps you cool, calm, and collected no matter what you're facing. It's one of the secrets to being infinitely happier, friend. Learn how to bridle your brain. Learn how to manage your mind. That's how we're going to stay cool, calm, and collected no matter what we're dealing with in life. And that is always a wise thing to do. Learning to stay cool, calm, and collected no matter what we're facing is useful during a time of global pandemic but it's even more useful in everyday life, and it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by learning to break those harmful connections, by severing your sick synapses. And my friend, we're going to learn how to do that, and we are going to start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith, and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it, and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is, you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Okay, so there are two diseases that are basically diseases of the synapse between nerves and muscles. There's probably more than two, but there's two that I want to talk about today. Both of them cause muscle weakness, and both of them cause a lot of trouble with a person's life. But those two diseases are caused by different problems, and they're treated in very different ways. But as a doctor, if we don't figure out which one's which, then we'll end up treating the wrong thing, and our patient won't get better. Even worse, if we don't treat the underlying cause, the patient can die because the underlying cause of one of these synaptic diseases is a deadly cancer, a type of lung cancer. And you definitely don't want to misdiagnose the patient and miss the opportunity to get an early start on treating the life-threatening cancer that's looming over your patient. The two diseases are called Lambert-Eaton syndrome and myasthenia gravis. Those are two pretty weird names. Lambert-Eaton, obviously named after the two people that discovered the Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and myasthenia gravis, another disease of the connection between nerve and muscle. Now, I don't want to go too deep into metaphor today. I think it's pretty obvious that if we have bad mental connections that trigger harmful thoughts, feelings, or actions in our lives, that it would be harmful to us, right? But let's take a little bit deeper dive into this because there are some lessons here by looking at these two diseases that will help you in your life as you learn how to look at and challenge and change your thinking. But before we get too far into the diseases, 
I want to tell you three facts about synapses in general that you need to know. Here's three facts about human synapses. Number one, synapses are how nerves communicate with each other and how nerves and muscles connect electrically. So, for example, when you decide in your brain that you want to use your index finger to click like on the Dr. Lee Warren podcast, for example, (laughs) the electrical signal in your frontal cortex travels from the neuron's cell body down the axon of the neuron, switches sides of your brain in your medulla, part of your brainstem, synapses in your spinal cord with motor neurons, and ultimately synapses at the neuromuscular junction, the junction between the nerve and the muscle, with the muscles in your hand to move your fingers. So here's the, here's the punchline. Synapses turn impulses into actions. Synapses turn impulses into actions. Number two, most synapses work by releasing chemicals into the gap between nerves or nerves and muscles and organs. Those chemicals, they're neurotransmitters like acetylcholine, for example. They then cross a gap between the nerve and the other nerve or the nerve and the muscle or the organ. That's called the synaptic cleft, and they interact with receptors on the other nerve or muscle that then triggers another electrical impulse to propagate the signal or create the action. So the electrical signal is traveling down the nerve. It hits the end of the nerve and releases a chemical into the synaptic cleft. There's a gap between the nerves, and then those chemicals cross the gap and trigger another electrical impulse to go down that other nerve or to turn the organ or muscle on to do the action that it's supposed to do. That's how most synapses work. But if the gap is too wide, if the, if the synaptic cleft were too wide, then those signals would fade out. They wouldn't efficiently be able to get across the gap in a, a reasonable amount of time. And it, if it wasn't there at all, if the, if the gap was too narrow or if the nerve and the muscle were right up against one another, then the signals would stay on all the time. And that would create chaos within your nervous system. The normal synaptic cleft is about 20 nanometers wide, nanometer. That's a tiny, tiny, tiny little space. But the way God built us is that that space, 20 nanometers, is exactly perfect for efficient transmission of nerve impulses. It's not too far. It's not too close like Goldilocks. It's fearfully and wonderfully made. And the third thing is that synapses are mostly made before you're born. Most of them are out of your control. And so we can't worry too much about those. You don't want to have to worry about the synapses that are making your heart beat efficient or controlling the brain's influence on your heart rate. You don't want to have to think about those. But synapses can be influenced, and new synapses can be created. Here's an example. When you learn how to type, at first, you have to think about it. You have to look at the keyboard. You have to kind of make your fingers do those weird automatic things, right? But over time, it becomes part of your muscle memory, and you become very efficient at typing. You don't have to look at the keyboard. That's because your brain is creating synapses that allow you to repeat those processes over and over and less uh, requiring less uh, act- active thought over time. Those are an example of making new synapses that are helpful to you. Now, that's a good thing. It's how you automate things. Those are all good things. But there are some bad things that can come out, too. Let's look at two different diseases that affect synapses and see how it applies to us. So the first disease is called Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and the second one is called myasthenia gravis. Now, both of these diseases affect what happens at the synapse between nerve and muscle. Both of them produce muscle weakness, and both of them are caused by other problems in the body. There's some differences, though. Lambert-Eaton syndrome tends to affect the 
arms and legs before it affects the head or the face. And myasthenia gravis tends to start in the eyes and move down the body. So if you're a medical student out there, you think of Lambert-Eaton syndrome, L-E-M-S, Lambert-Eaton myasthenic syndrome. It sounds like limbs, like the word L-I-M-B-S, like limbs, your arms and legs. So Lambert-Eaton syndrome affects your limbs. Myasthenia gravis sounds kind of like eye, myasthenia. So eyes are affected first in myasthenia. Those are two ways you can remember that for the test that you might have to take in medical school. There's a freebie for you. So the other difference is Lambert-Eaton syndrome, the weakness tends to improve with repeated activity. In other words, when you first start trying to move your arms in Lambert-Eaton syndrome, you feel very weak. But if you keep trying, you overcome the weakness and it starts to improve most of the time. With myasthenia gravis, though, it's just the opposite. The more you try, the worse it gets. The more weak you get when you try hard to overcome the weakness, it gets worse in myasthenia gravis. It gets better in Lambert-Eaton syndrome. The difference between these two is because of what's causing the problem. In Lambert-Eaton syndrome, the problem is in the presynaptic end of the nerve in something called a voltage-gated calcium channel. Those are unimportant for this podcast, but presynaptic means that the problem is in the end of the nerve before the synaptic cleft, before that gap between nerve and muscle. The problem is there. There are antibodies that attack these calcium channels, and they keep acetylcholine, the neurotransmitter here, from getting out and into the gap. But because the transmitters them because the transmitter is normal and the the channel is normal if you and there's there's a limited number of these antibodies if you keep trying you eventually can release enough acetylcholine to overcome the problem and make the weakness better so with Lambert-Eaton syndrome the problem is before the synaptic cleft and the problem can be improved by trying harder by continuing to move by forced repeated effort. You can make it better in Lambert-Eaton syndrome. Myasthenia gravis, on the other hand, the problem is antibodies to the acetylcholine receptor on the postsynaptic end of the synapse. So these antibodies attack the receptor where the acetylcholine goes, and they block those receptors up, and you can't overcome that with repeated effort. In fact, the more you try, the worse it gets because you run out of acetylcholine altogether by repeatedly firing the muscle or trying to fire the muscle, and you end up weaker then you start it off. So sometimes that effort in myasthenia gravis makes things worse. So those are two big differences. Lambert-Eaton syndrome, the problem is before the synapse. Myasthenia gravis, it's after. Lambert-Eaton syndrome, you get better with repeated activity. Myasthenia gravis, you get worse with repeated activity. And the two places, one affects the eyes, one affects the muscles, uh, the arms and legs. Okay? So those are the basics. Now, the other thing is the underlying cause of the problem is different in these two diseases. Myasthenia gravis, the problem tends to be a disease of the thymus organ. And if you have a thymectomy, you remove the thymus, sometimes myasthenia gravis goes away. Not always, but sometimes. And there are medicines that can inhibit um, the enzyme that breaks down acetylcholine and actually can improve the disease with medicine. So myasthenia gravis caused by the thymus sometimes and sometimes improved with medication. Lambert-Eaton syndrome usually is related or often is related to an underlying lung cancer. Some lung cancers and other cancers can release chemicals that trigger events in your body that are called paraneoplastic syndromes. And with Lambert-Eaton syndrome, this is a good example where having lung cancer creates this weird antibody that attacks your synapses and causes muscle weakness that's remote from your lungs. So 
In Lambert-Eaton syndrome, there is a deadly disease that's out there lurking, and that deadly disease is causing problems in another unrelated and distinct part of your life, muscles. Does that make sense? You have a deadly cancer in your lungs that's causing a really bad problem functionally for you in some other area of your body. Myasthenia gravis, you've got a thymus problem. It's an organ that's causing a problem somewhere else in your body. But the underlying problem isn't particularly deadly. It's just causing havoc and causing trouble. But the disease can be deadly. The myasthenia gravis can be deadly if you're uh, getting weak enough that you can't breathe. That's a big problem, right? So those are two basic overviews of these two diseases. And here's why I want to talk about them. In your life, there are certain things that cause synapses to form that can create havoc in other parts of your life. Here's a good example. When you're a little kid, you're in the kitchen, you drop a plate and it shatters, and your dad says, hey, you idiot, why'd you do that? 30 years later, you're a grown-up, and you drop a plate in the kitchen and it breaks, and in your brain, you hear, I'm an idiot. You might even say it out loud. Idiot, why did I do that? That happens because you accepted a label from a, an authority figure in your life when you were a little kid that you weren't even aware of. Somebody called you an idiot. Somebody said you were dumb. Somebody said you were ugly. Somebody abused you in some way. And that created a synapse in your brain that when a similar event, remember I told you the nervous system is very sensitive, but it's not always very specific in how we respond. So that, that thing that happened years and years and years ago created a synapse in your brain that fires now whenever you go through something similar. And that labeling that you accepted without knowing it, that synapse of you triggering where you call yourself an idiot or a moron or you feel ashamed or you feel worthless or valueless, that happened outside of your control and outside of your awareness, but it is hurting you. Just like in Lambert-Eaton syndrome, you've got a lung cancer that's a threat to your life and it's creating a big problem for how you move and get around and deal with your life. And you didn't even know it was there. And therefore, it's crucial that you make the right diagnosis so you understand what it is that's triggering the problem that you're facing. That seems like such a simple little metaphor, but it's so, so often unknown and unseen in our lives. We've got all kinds of automatic patterns of behavior and response and emotional uh, attitudes, feelings, moods, etc. that are created by other people at other times in our lives. And if we don't make the diagnosis and connect those dots, we can never sever those six synapses. I've talked a lot before about labeling. Like You should let God label you. God says you're valuable enough that I'm willing to die for you. You're valuable enough that I'm willing to send my son to the cross for you. God says to you that your sins, he's taking care of them if you'll let him. Hey, he says in Isaiah chapter one, let's settle this. Though your sins were as scarlet, I've washed them white as snow. Then Psalms, he says, I've removed your sin as far as east is from the west. So we don't have to accept shame for sin as long as we repent for it, right? But we've got all these synapses in our brain that make us feel ashamed for things that we've done in the past, even if they're already forgiven and gone. We've got synapses in our brain that make us feel valueless, even though we're greatly valued. We've got synapses in our brain that make us feel stupid, even though we're smart, right? So I just want to point out that you need to make the effort 
to figure out why you call yourself an idiot. Figure out why you feel like you're of little little value. And sometimes that requires a physician. Sometimes it requires a pastor, a chaplain, a therapist, somebody to help you make those diagnoses so you can then understand where those synapses came from and you can break them. So just as you can learn how to do something and create synapses like in typing and you can make efficiency for your life, you can also have life create synapses for you that are harmful to you, that can hurt you. And negative words and negative labels and shaming behavior and all those kinds of things are bad actors in terms of creating harmful synapses. But remember Lambert-Eaton syndrome, I told you something. One of the keys to managing Lambert-Eaton is to keep trying because the strength improves with repeated effort. And the same thing is true. If you can learn, a, if you can make a synapse that's helpful to you, then you can break one that's harmful to you. And if you keep trying, you'll get there. If you keep at it, keep trying. Whenever you feel that label coming on, whenever you feel that harmful thought pattern, you can say, you know what, I'm going to work through this. I'm going to strive to break this and I'm, I'm going to not accept that label for my own life anymore. I'm not going to allow that type of synaptic behavior to continue. I'm going to break it. I'm going to find the right medicine, whether it's prayer, whether it's meditation, whether it's therapy, whether it's um, getting yourself around some better people. Remember I said earlier, Lambert-Eaton syndrome often caused by an underlying lung cancer. And if you don't treat the cancer, you can't fix the problem. So imagine if there's somebody in your life that's a cancer for you, that's a negative influence, that's harmful to you, that's abusing you, that's hurting you. If there's somebody in your life and you can't fix the relationship, you need to break it. You need to treat the disease to get rid of the symptom that's harming your life. Now, I'm not advocating for breaking all your relationships anytime things aren't going well. I'm not saying that at all. But if you're in an abusive situation, if you're in a dangerous situation, or if you've got a person in your life who's so negative and so harmful to you that you can't move forward in your life because they're continuing to hurt you by making all these harmful connections in your brain and in your life or in your body, you need to get out of there. Remember I told you earlier that the synaptic cleft is about 20 nanometers wide, and if it were too close, then you would have a repeated stimulus that would keep things firing abnormally and create chaos. But if you had synaptic clefts that were farther apart, then the neurotransmitter would be too dilute and the synapse wouldn't work anymore and there would be problems on the other end because the signal couldn't get across. Well, friend, there may be times in your life when the way to fix the problem with your synapse is to create distance. There may be some relationships or some habits or some problems that you have that the way to fix them would be to separate yourself from them. Make a wider synaptic cleft to spread that out so that that thing can't hurt you anymore. You can reduce the power of it or eliminate the power of it by separating yourself from it. You need to think about that. If you've got somebody harmful in your life or some harmful pattern, habit, behavior, issue, Sometimes the only solution, if you can't fix the problem, if you can't make that person change, you can't make that underlying issue better, then the only answer would be to separate it, to widen it, to get distance between stimulus and response. Does that make sense? So, again, sometimes the underlying problem, like thymus issues, aren't particularly deadly, but they're causing havoc, and they need to be medicated or fixed 
And sometimes the underlying problem is actually life-threatening, harmful, deadly cancer. But in either case, you can't really fix the disease until you fix the underlying problem. So I would encourage you today, if you've got some sick synapses, some harmful things that are holding you back and hurting you in your life, fix them. Root out the underlying cause and deal with it. Sometimes you need professional help to do that. Sometimes you need a doctor, a therapist, a chaplain, a priest, a good friend, an accountability partner, somebody to help you put the bottle down or stop taking those pills or to get out of that abusive relationship or even just to realize what it was that your dad or your uncle or your abuser said to you or did to you when you were eight that is harming you now when you're 58. But either way, you got to get to the bottom of it and you got to do something about it. Because if you want to change your life, you've got to change your mind. And if you want to change your mind, you got to sever those six synapses. you got to fix that problem that's creating new bad synapses for you or keeping the old ones firing and hurting you and creating chaos in your life. Look, Lambert-Eaton syndrome and myasthenia gravis are two real problems. They both can be managed. They have different um, features and characteristics. But myasthenia gravis, you cannot improve by repeated effort. And there are some things that you can't fix by repeatedly trying to fix them. Some people won't let you fix them. They're not ever going to change. Sexual abuse, for example. There are some of those people that will never change. And the only fix would be for you to break that synapse by getting out of there and getting away from it. Or if the person who abused you and created those harmful relationships has already passed away and you can't go and actually try to repair that relationship or or deal with it or find closure, then maybe the only answer for you is to replace that in your heart with something more positive. Remember I've told you before, it takes about five times more input for something positive to stick in your brain than it does for something negative. So if you've got all these negative things happening in your head, you need a lot of positive reinforcement to overcome those old neural bridges and those old pathways that you've created that have been that have been created by other people and other events and the hard parts of your life, it takes a lot of positive reinforcement. For me, that looks like scripture, worship, prayer, surrounding myself with good people that are helpful and beneficial to me, and that overcomes a lot of those negative things that are in there. You know, there's a lot of painful things I've been through, divorce, war, loss of a child. Those things are hard to get over. You won't ever get over all of them. But putting yourself in a better position, getting around other people, um, building strong and deep relationships with your other kids and with your spouse and with friends and, and getting connected to the church and to the Lord, those help by creating constant positive emotion. That's how you overcome sick synapses. Now, as an aside, I want to tell you, that understanding how powerful and how harmful bad mental synapses can be and how easily they can be created by a simple careless word that your parents spoke, maybe even harmlessly when you were a kid. They didn't mean to hurt you or give you some lifelong label like you were an idiot or something. But understanding how easily those bridges are formed is a great and terrifying responsibility for us now in terms of our relationships with other people. What I mean is that if you are a person who has influence over others, if you're a parent, if you're a spouse, if you are a sibling, use your words wisely. Teachers, don't call your kids stupid. Because if you do, they will remember that. You're an authority figure in their life. They will remember that for the rest of their lives. That will form a synapse that they will never forget. 
parents, don't joke with your kids about things they can't control. Don't tease them about how their nose is shaped or how their ears look. Don't tease them about their voice. Give them positive things to think about. You have a great responsibility. You are actually a brain surgeon for your kids' future um, mental health. You are creating synapses with every word and every interaction. Your role is to make sure those kids know they are safe and they are loved and they are accepted and they are safe in your care. Be careful with your words. Friend, with your spouse, don't take the bait when you have an easy insult or a little quote-unquote joke that you can make at their expense. Don't take the bait because you are creating synapses in your spouse's life that will be devastating to them if you are not careful. So the idea that synapses can be so easily formed and it is so hard to break them should give us all pause when we choose how we use our words and how we use our behavior. I just want to leave that with you today. Listen, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And severing six synapses is one of the keys to getting that done. These are two diseases that illustrate aspects of how fearfully and wonderfully made we are and two diseases that really help us understand how important synapses are. And I just wanted to use them to illustrate the other types of synapses that we have to deal with all the time, which are the ones that affect our thought lives, how we create automatic reactions to stresses, how we create automatic thoughts that pop into our heads, those are all related to previous experience and words and labels that other people and other events have put into our hearts. And sometimes we have to break them. If you've got harmful synapses, friend, get after it and become a self-brain surgeon and learn how to look out for the underlying cause of them and take care of that and treat the disease before it continues to hurt you for one more day. It's self-brain surgery. It's biblical, it's consistent with neuroscience, it's good self-care, and it will help, but you have to start today. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.